previously on Two Star Two Track. It's probably right. several to many OSHA violations. Oh, so many. <laughs> so many OSHA violations. Space OSHA. OSHA. Space OSHA. Greetings, friends and fellow Trekkers. Welcome to another special edition of Two Star Two Trek, where it is actually a three star three Trek. <laughs> Tonight we will be covering Babel, Babel if you're nasty one, United and the Anar, which are in all in season four. They are episodes 12, 13 and 14. Yeah, lots of three parters. My name is Ryan. I am joined by my lovely co-host Caitlin and we have two fantastic guests with us this evening. We have both Steph and Barras joining us. Steph, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Also, I would just like to point out something. I prefer the fan name of Trekkie, not Trekker. Trekker oh. just, I'm not on board with the whole Trekker situation. Plus, Trekker means something else in the comics world. So I like Trekkie. <laughs> I was I was team Trekkie as a kid. I didn't yeah. realize that Trekker was a thing until like I became an adult. And I think like the generation before me decided they didn't like Trekkie. Yeah. And had tried to like reclaim it as like its own thing. And I was like, but Trekkie's fine. Just own it. Trekkie's fine. Love it's it. perfect. Stop trying to change it. Trekkie, let's just go with the Trekkie. Fantastic. Well, Trekkie Beres, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm good. And I'm good with the term Trekkie as well. I feel like Trekkie makes sense if you're not traveling. And yeah. to watch Star Trek, you seem very, you know, static. So, yes. <laughs> very stationary. Very stationary, yes. I like that for this episode, we have the United States delegation and the Canadian delegation to discuss an episode about uh, peace talks and (laughs) getting getting all of the people together to talk about the issues. The issues. Yeah. So this episode is primarily a 100% Shran trap. And then um, there's also some (laughs) Tellarites there as well. It starts with Archer just digging into hoshi and if you're not like aware of what's going on it just seems like archer's being kind of a dick well the the cold open is is shran's ship like almost exploding yeah but yes that the official start of the episode is archer just like insulting hoshi and being like kind of a monster And, like, insulting her cooking, and it's it's no fun. But then we get to meet the Tellarites, and then Archer gets to dunk on Trip, which is my favorite thing in the world, because... Well, because, and the reason for all of this is because it's, like, culturally appropriate. That's the way the Tellarites communicate with each other, and they are one of the two races involved in these peace talks between the Tellarites and the Andorians, because the Andorians have to have, like, facilitated peace talks with everyone, or they can't get literally anything done, because otherwise they will just fight you. And I don't know, I the, the thing about this, this thing with the Tellarites being kind of jerks, it's weird because at what point does it stop being just like, oh, this is our cultural norm, or is it just like a troll that's gone on way too long that they can't get out of now? <laughs> they're like, like, oh, you know, like the Rick and Morty thing, like this means like peace and love, and it's like them just flipping off, you know, Scott Bakula. Like, where does that line start and end? 
I think it is a little bit of both because they do seem to respect someone more while they're when they're able to argue and defend themselves. I think it's just more of like how good are you at debating? Right. Because because the Kardashians because at the end of part two they seem to be able to hold a conversation without being dicks about it. Yeah, I think like the first intro, it's like we're just going to debate. I'm probably going to nudge at you a lot just to see if you can hold your own. I view personally, I view the Tellerites as kind of like the really the family members that are always invited to to family gatherings that everyone kind of <laughs> hates because they're always like poking at everyone and trying to start fights. But it isn't until someone stands up to them and, like, shuts them down that they're like, oh, okay, now I have respect for you. You can hold your own. That's all I wanted. And it's like, you have to dunk on me. Yeah. Before I will even listen to you. Before I will even welcome you into the same echelon of conversation. Yeah. I think it's almost kind of like that sort of British Isles way of, you know, shooting the shit with each other, too. Because... Not only do they dish it out, but they can take it as well. And they almost respect each other for that. So I do wonder if like maybe their society is a bit, though aggressive in some ways, but also more relaxed because everything's just out in the open. Like gossiping probably doesn't even exist. It's just like a pointless thing. Right. You just get all that out like right away. Yeah, exactly. And as a result, no one takes it like terribly personally because like, you know, they're not lying, do you? And they're probably yeah. also very honest, too, because they're as mm-hmm. soon as they see something they don't like or they can use in an argument or an insult, they, they pull that card out right away. They're not even going to hold it back. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I feel like toxic positivity wouldn't exist in Tellerite culture. Right? Right. <laughs> but when you have a species like the Andorians, that doesn't work out so well, that level of negotiating. Yeah. Well, it's like, I feel like while the Vulcans are, you know, driven by logic and the Klingons are driven by honor, I feel the like... The Vulcans say they're driven by logic, but that's like... That's very true. The Vulcans of this era, like, also use that as a mask to be, like, passive-aggressive douchebags. Right. Yes. So, like, the Andorians, I respect that they're just overtly aggressive, and then the Tellarites are just, like, kind of antagonistic to the point of, like, it works for their culture, but when you take it to other cultures, it's gonna cause big problems, and they have no filter for that right like if you sat the tellerites with the klingons the klingons would be stabbing them in 30 seconds <laughs> yes <laughs> and the tellers would be like why are you trying to kill me i thought we were just having a good argument though i would right. love to see the tellerites and the cardassians duke it out oh, oh. yeah right because the cardassians be... kind of yeah their culture is kind of similar like they do do a lot of the debating mm-hmm. and arguing and they are mean. <laughs> Very mean, yeah. I would like to see a Tellerite, like, drink with a Klingon, though. Because, like, I feel, I feel like if it's a... Th- there's a difference between battle-ready Klingon and blood-wine Klingon. Oh, yeah. Because, mm, yeah. like, blood-wine Klingon would be like, oh, fuck your mom. Like, y- you know, they, they don't hold it back just like the Tellerites, right? So you just gotta get everybody drunk first, is what you're saying. Right. The most successful peace talks are when everyone's hammered. Correct. So a Klingon and a Tellerite walk into a bar and they say to the (laughs) Pandorian. And they negotiate successful peace talks. Right. (laughs) Because the human is the bartender. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the role the humans are technically serving in this process, right? Because (laughs) serving bar joke. Babel, Babel if you're nasty, is at like the edge of Andorian space so they have to like use the human ship to escort these Tellarites across Andorian space because currently a Tellarite ship will be like shot upon immediately. (laughs) So the humans are literally acting as like the buffers in between these two races. 
And then that's where the conflict comes up because Shran's ship gets fired upon by someone. By someone <laughs> in a Tellarite ship. And because of that, Archer, being the good guy that he is, brings Shran and his crew aboard. And then they find out, oh no, there's Tellarites on board. And it is palpable. You can feel the energy in the Well, hate. and because the the Andorian ambassador is killed in the initial attack, like, I guess, like, Shran, just by being Shran, becomes, like, the default ambassador. <laughs> like, well, I think it's, I think it's like, a military <laughs> thing. I think it's rank, right? Mm. Yeah, because he's a commander, but isn't he? He's super he? mad about it. <laughs> yeah, he so. is a commander. Yeah. Do you just get to be the, the ambassador by default if the other ambassador dies and your bro is the human piloting, like, the other ship? I mean, yeah. look at Archer. He's the ambassador. Does he work as an ambassador? No. He's just the no. captain of the Enterprise with zero ambassador skills or experience. And yet here he is. I feel like this is the first one that tries the first, like, I don't want to say, like, two-parter because that's, you know, the lens in which we're viewing this. But this feels like the first section of Enterprise where... Starfleet finally starts to realize, like, hey, we need to be bringing people together instead of just like, hey, flying through your space, don't shoot at me. It moves from exploration to diplomacy to working together to reaching out, you know, and it, it this episode feels very TNG yeah. as opposed mm -hmm. to something like Voyager or TOS. I will say this. I do actually really enjoy this three-parter. I feel like this is the type of storytelling we should have been getting from Enterprise all along. Yes. Where, yes. We, where we do explorations of different types of species. We go on a field trip to someone's planet. We learn about their lives, their cultures, and we try to facilitate um, a relationship with these other aliens. And I kind of wish we had been doing this type of Star Trek the entire time, because as much as it is like TNG, we know they're going to mess up more than those in TNG. It's still yep. nice to see those early, early stages. Yeah, yeah they're still rough around the edges. And Archer, you know, we could have gotten him there a lot quicker, I think, conceptually, because like there have been all those moments throughout the seasons leading up to now where they go, oh, you know, the Enterprise is responsible for bringing all of these worlds together. And like, you're a big part of that. And it's like, well, you know, they could have just told him that his assignment from the beginning was to like do some of this. They could have just made that Archer's job. Mm -hmm. But I think because they, like, kept hobbling together reasons for the Enterprise to be out in the field, ultimately, like, they didn't have a five-year mission, right? So, like, at times, what they're doing and why they're doing it is a little directionless, especially when there's not, like, an immediate war for them to jump into. Mm -hmm. And this grounds it a little better and reminds you why the pattern for TNG really works, because there's always going to be some weird diplomatic mission that needs doing. I don't know, though. I, I think that would take away from the charm of Archer and honestly, the thesis overall of Enterprise. I enjoy that optimism of just we're going to point the ship in that direction and we're going to hit warp five. Mayweather's going to push some buttons because that's all he does. He doesn't do anything in these episodes <laughs> and it bums me out. Justice for Mayweather. He should have been given <laughs> way more shit to do. And Hoshi. And Hoshi. But yeah, it just... I. I don't know. I, I like that sense of exploration of the great unknown of point the ship this way, see what we find. That feels exciting. And I mean, like, diplomacy can be exciting and 
negotiating peace contracts and trade routes and stuff like it can be exciting but it's, that's more it's personal more, journey it's more interesting in the seasons that don't have the vulcan training wheels on the ship yeah because like it's literally a full two seasons where the vulcans are like literally breathing down their necks in every episode so like once you lose that and once you feel that the humans have a little more agency over their own mission that's great but that's not what like more than half of the series is. That's true. Back to the Tellarites and the Andorians. Everybody's ship is getting fired upon. Everybody's pissed. Everybody's pissed. The Andorians. They put everybody on, like, basically house arrest. Right. In the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Shran and his lady friend Talus, they, they try to sexcapade their way out of, like, they honeypot their way out of the room and then immediately try to go, like, fight the Tellarites. And it doesn't, it doesn't end well for anybody. <laughs> No, she gets she gets shot. Oh no! And at one point, Flock says, "Oh, it was just a graze, but you know it was set to kill, but it was a graze, and you'll be fine. You'll be fine." She wasn't fine, and then she wasn't fine. Yeah. So Flock's <laughs> medical capabilities in this episode were really brought into question because of those right. comments. Because even when Shran's like talking to Dallas and Flock's comes in, it's like you know she needs her rest and. And everything like that. It's like that Talus is clearly dying at this point. Yeah. Because you think right. she's going to be okay with how Flox is is acting, but it's like, no, if this is Talus's finest moments, you should have let Shran stay with her. But instead, right. Flox is like, mm-hmm, she just needs to rest. She'll be fine. It's like, Flox, no, she dies. I think there's like a throwaway line that, you know, about like phasers versus Andorian physiology, but like that that may not be super known to everyone else. And I don't know what, like, if that's the case, then, like, share resources with Flox so he's better informed of, like, what side effects may happen here. You think Shran would have been all on that, considering this is his partner? The love of his life. Right. Well, I, you know what, I'm going to question the love of his life, because as we, jumping ahead just really quickly, so Talus dies, Shran's all heartbroken about it, blah, 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 wants revenge. At the end of this episode, he quickly gets a new girlfriend. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. She's We're... got big child vi- child wife vibes. Yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah. All right, so do we want to jump into the ANR? Like, right away? We don't want to talk I about... I would love to talk about dumb dudes fighting dudes for revenge. Okay, yeah. A uh, subplot <laughs> that we have where... So Talos dies, and Shran immediately is like, so I'm going to k- kill somebody... And I would prefer that it be a Tellarite. And somehow Archer, you know, who is always the first to, like, throw his body in front of whatever shenanigans are happening (laughs) on his ship, goes like, ah! And he goes, no, I'll duel you. And Shran's like, you know it's to the death, right? And Archer's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And so they... Uh, that it's one of Mayweather's few good moments in this three-parter where he's like furiously flipping through books, yeah, it's trying like to find Hoshi. like a sub like law or rule that would allow them to pull. both get out of it alive. Yeah, and ultimately it results in Archer mid-fight with Shran, who is going to kill Archer given the opportunity. He's like kind of pissed about it, but he'll do it. And he chops off Shran's antenna, which I guess grows back, but it's real goofy for the rest of the three-parter. He's, like, completely complaining about it, like, but he's like, I respect it because 
you respected my culture, so I guess we're okay. Whatever. And it's kind of my <laughs> favorite of thing. Because, like, cranky Jeffrey Combs is, like, my favorite Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> He's so cranky for the rest of it. I like that fight. I think it's really cool. Because, like... It's very TOS. It is. And they have, like, these, like, weird gauntlets that are almost, like, handcuffed together. And oh, then they're they not are fighting, handcuffed but, like, together. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because they love each other. And they're fighting with, like, ice pick, dagger, blade things yeah. from Andoria. It's, it's fucking cool. I love Archer it Archer so and Shran have a very deep relationship and connection with each other that I wish the show explored more beyond immediately shrack, uh, shacking up Shran with a, another female uh-huh. and Archer just being completely oblivious to the chemistry that they have. Right? I feel like it's a little bit homophobic for them to have set Shran up with anyone. Yeah, right? Because, like, yeah, he and Archer have this bond together, and it's like, just at least sit in the comfort of each other's presence, knowing that, like, Shran's going through a dark time right now right? and could use a bro. Oh, but I know, they're, they're like, complete mm, best what friends. What if we give him a girlfriend, though? <laughs> right from the start of season one, when they first met, they're like, oh, we hate you, but we're best friends still. <laughs> and they it's get like, drunk together constantly. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> they're always drinking awesome. that Andorian ale. I like the Andorian ale. Like, I don't know. I just. Where did this... you get your Andorian ale? Isn't it illegal? This... No, I think it's Romulan ale is illegal. Oh, it's, ro- yeah. is it Romulan? it's Romulan. It's the other blue one. But yeah. uh, they're, yeah. they're, in, they're in Andorian space, so I guess it's legal. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I thought because the Federation ship counts as Federation space, technically, you know it's how diplomatic cars. You know how the Federation diplomatic... doesn't exist. Okay, well, whatever right. it's been called at this point, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> They're the pioneers of me. consuming things. So, yeah. The, yeah. The or maybe they just haven't figured out it's illegal. Because I haven't met the Romulans yet. <laughs> maybe it's not even that it. strong. Maybe it's like very weak and they just drink it. Like, oh, I got a comfortable buzz and I'll be okay tomorrow. <laughs> what if Andorian Ale is like four loco and <laughs> Archer drinks like a bunch of it and blacks out and then like runs the Enterprise into stuff? It's like advanced absinthe of some sort. <laughs> probably why him and Tran are best friends. Captain's yeah. gone wild. <laughs> He's like, I love you when you've been drinking. Here, have some more Andorian ale. Is it? Uh... Let's go graffiti tag some Vulcan ships. <laughs> <laughs> they hate Vulcans. It's great. Yes. Um, isn't Rectaginko from DS9? A rectagino. It's like super strong coffee. It's oh, I thought it was Klingon coffee. Oh. I think Cisco drinks it at like nine o'clock in the morning. It's I thought it was alcoholic. like cut with rum. Oh my no. god! Wouldn't no. that be amazing? Oh, okay. I think you're no, thinking of... is like insanely like Death Wish like level coffee. Huh. Wasn't because yeah. there was another one. Wasn't Cardassian ale? It started Wine, I think. with a K. Oh, uh, Kavanaugh? Uh, no, K. Yeah. Kinar? Kinar. Kinar. Yeah. Kinar is like a wine, I think. Yeah. As a cool bottle. Because they, they serve it out of like a cask. Right. Right. Okay. Kin- yeah, Kinar Kinar was the, the big alcohol that was on Deep Space Nine and Rectigeno was yeah. the coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Side note, I found the mugs that uh <laughs> that you can get Rectigeno in <laughs> online. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, because it I um it's a website. That I'll share on my Twitter later. Um, but 
is a website that goes through all the Star Trek episodes and and it's like here's where they got this mug, here's where they got this mug. Right. And it's like I'll have to time it's from Ikea. Yeah, a lot of stuff from Ikea. They're like, this looks alien and weird and it's it's yeah, just Ikea. Actually, my parents had the original cups that Captain Picard had for Earl Grey tea, like just coincidentally. Really? Like, oh, that's yeah, awesome. I, I don't remember oh, yeah. what brand they are, but they're just like, oh, that's just, I guess they shopped at the same spot. Yeah. Oh, there's, I definitely awesome. have on my wish list is like a $600 tea set that's from TNG. That, I feel uh, this Picard was like uses. a fraction that cost, but yeah. 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 It's like, it's, I'm going to get it. Okay. The reason I got confused is because the fan recipe i found for the klingon coffee was cut with rum Ooh. oh so that's why i got confused <laughs> so that was like an irish coffee kind of equivalent yeah yeah like you cut it with like a little bit of like hazelnut rum right at the beginning or sorry the- technically like- jamaican coffee yeah yeah well you know there is that star trek cocktails book i'm sure there's a recipe for Bractigino in there I'm sure there's a recipe for a lot of fun stuff in that book. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I want that book just to, like, destroy my liver. Also, side note about Ractagino, too. Like, Klingons creating coffee just seems out of character. They No, but see, to them, <laughs> not really. To them, it would be like a stimulant. They'd be like a stimulant for battle. So you oh, know okay. that it's loaded with caffeine and whatever, like probably drops of adrenaline in herbal form or something. Well, I feel like, for well, example, like- <laughs> they just eat it raw as it would be. Because I feel like, to you know, they're not really fond of cooked food or dead things either. I yeah. feel like they just kind of rip it from the ground and get it caught in their teeth. They probably don't have coffee beans. They probably have some sort of caffeine thing. It's like coffee, coffee with plants. a Yeah. Or it's like Caffeine the blood of something. Yeah. 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 It's like, uh, what is that? The the Luwak, that weird cat that eats the coffee and then yeah, produces yeah. that special one. They just they just eat that creature with it as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a turducken, uh, but of coffee. <laughs> yeah, our coffee comes from the from the animal, the caffeine. Yeah. The caffeine. So we just grind that up and put it in a drink. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't imagine the Klingons have, like, a good agricultural sector <laughs> on, like, Kronos, right? No, no, no. Yeah. Like, that just, it just doesn't exist. There's a reason why Kronos looks like a dead planet. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Right, oh, we man. segued there. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we, are, we are way off topic tonight. Before we get to the Anar episode, the third episode, that everybody's super eager to talk about, the one thing I do want to mention is the subplot of who's pulling the strings on this weird ship that's all of the ships, and what happens when Trip and Reed go on a little field trip, because those two scamps always get into trouble when it's just them <laughs> surprise bitch it's the romulans yeah but you know what that was a good subplot going on there I liked it was it. it was super tense it was interesting uh you didn't quite know what was going to happen because they're like are the romulans going to be revealed early or are we just going to be kept in the dark the whole time so it, it did kind of give you that that tense actiony what's going to happen next feeling one thing that's really cool is the first episode, anything that's on the ship, right, is shot as if it is the ship that 
Trip and Malcolm are on. Yeah. And then at the end of the first episode, the reveal is, oh, it's a drone. They're doing this from, like, a tower on the planet, like, on the other side of the galaxy. Yeah. So it kind of, like, does that, like, reveal twice. Because, you know, you figure out that all of these ships that are firing on the Tellurites and the Romulans and the Vulcans and the Enterprise, like, all of these ships is just one ship with holographic emitters, like, duct taped to the hole. But it also, I think it also really sets up the Romulans for this, like, fierce, scary enemy that's really good at espionage. Right. Yes. Because it, it does a good job of making them a viable threat without reveal, without kind of ruining the, um, the timeline that we have going on in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. It's a cool ship, too. Bears, I know you were, like, the big ship nerd. Like, what... What's your take on this drone ship thing? It's great. It just looks like sort of like a, almost like a, a weird abstract mosquito. And <laughs> I think that's kind of what I like about it because it can tumble. It's very maneuverable, which I think is great. But also the fact that it can imitate larger ships. I think that's such a cool concept and also a really good way of disrupting an area, especially if you want to, you know, if you're worried about your neighbors, maybe allying, this would be the perfect like, the plot itself is perfect. I think Romulan should revisit it, but I don't think they ever do. No, probably not. Well, a we lot might of the see stuff... it in Picard. There's still hope. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, and, like, the other thing is, is I think, you know, what you're speaking to, I would like to see it in the future, things like that, is just prequel problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about like, you know, how awesome Phlox is and everything like that and how cool the Denobulans are and man, they're so great and they were integral to the founding of the Federation and then season four of Enterprise ended and they were never heard from again. Like, <laughs> it's just prequel problems, you know? Yeah. Phlox, the Denobulans and the Andorians kind of go that way. Because, I mean, the Andorians were at least in the original series, but then they're non-existent yeah. in, in TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, which they're is They're yeah. very prevalent in uh, Lower Decks, which I do like. Yeah, so, and they yeah. do show up cool. in, is it in the future in Discovery or in the alternate timeline? I can't remember. They, I know uh, they're in the alternate oh, the, timeline. Yeah. Yes. In the, in the, in the universe, mirror universe, which sucks because sure. like, you know they're in the mirror universe. Why are they not here? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine it's really a lot easier to do Andorians with animation because, like, those little antenna, at least for the, the character-speaking <sighs> Andorians, like, they move, and there's the wigs and the face stuff, mm-hmm. and, like... But, I mean, It's not of... that it's, like, super worse than, like, the Klingons, per se, but, yeah. like, I imagine, like, that color palette... You have to have mechanical palette, underneath. Yeah, too. there's gotta be yeah. mechanical underneath, and, like, I imagine that color palette is, like, kind of difficult to light. And shoot. Yeah. So, yeah. absolutely. I imagine those are all, like, things that are considerations, but at the same time, like, why not more Andorians? Right, I would argue for Andorians over trying to create a random alien for the background of a shot. True. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I think that's also a thing, too, because, like, I don't know how many different aliens there have been in Star Trek, but I do feel like it's probably more than the galaxy can allow due to the right. Fermi paradox or the Fermi mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> calculation. Explain to, us, explain to us what the Fermi paradox is for calculation. Uh, it's the calculation that well, I think it's like there's only... Within a certain amount of stars, there's only like a percentage that can actually support life or that might be human like. So, right. yeah. And then 
on top of all of that, you also have the time factor as well. Yes. Yeah. Because there's probably alien life out there. Will humans ever reach it? Depends on if we kill ourselves first. Yes. Like, you know, if if we avert global disaster, if we avert destroying ourselves, if we can survive the journey, yeah, we might meet male aliens one day, but like it's it's the math is not in our favor. That yeah. is the easiest way to explain it. <laughs> our planet is going to go the way of Romulus really quickly here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Outside in versus inside out. But yeah. 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 Well, either, yeah, I mean, the sun gets us because our ozone layer is destroyed, so it fries us to a crisp, or right. our planet just kind of implodes. Yep. Yep. I fully expect humans will be boiling themselves alive in the next 200, 300 years, so. Oh, you think we'll make it at 300? You're very hopeful. <laughs> I didn't say all of us. <laughs> you know, 200 is still a species, right? Oh, man, we got super dark on that. Let's talk about the Anar. The Anar, awesome. Okay. I love the Anar. Anar live in caves, because when you are a uh, group on Star Trek that is uh, away from society, you live in a cave. These are ice <laughs> caves. The, the Andorians live in caves, too. I mean, well, they live True. in underground cities. And can I just actually loved this episode so much, and I love this arc so much, because we got to go onto a planet of of a species that's important to the Star Trek universe. And uh-huh. when Archer and Shran were having their their little um field trip down <laughs> downstairs, uh they got to really bond and they got to find out things about their planet. Like just little things, you know, how he grew up and what their lifestyle was about. And that's yeah. the type of stuff that, that nice. I love about Star Trek because it's so world building and it adds so much more to his character and then any other Andorians that we'll meet. And even being able to see that, oh, hey, the Andorians have a cousin species on the planet as well. And it's just, it's so, yeah, it's better than a lot of the, like, here's just another variation of the humans on this planet that looks a lot like our planet and nothing's different. I really like it because it allows you to get the third Scott Bakula action figure. Because <laughs> you get Command Bakula, you get Desert Bakula, and now you get Ice Bakula. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he's he, he goes with the poncho and everything, and I like it when they beam down to the planet, and Shran is immediately like, ah, smell that fresh Andorian air, it feels so good, <laughs> the air is on my skin, let's do this. Like, And he's so happy, just, and it's like, it's summertime here, don't you just love the weather? And it's like minus 28 <laughs> degrees Celsius. And he immediately like starts kind of tripping over, because... Much like a cat with their whiskers, the Antorians oh, yeah. antennae, like, make it so that they can, like, sense what's around them to make it easier to have balance. But it is, I think I, and we were talking about this a little bit off mic, whether or not it was Jeffrey Combs's like, acting decision or if it was a direction decision for him to, like, ever, ever since he loses the, the one, the stalk on his head, he always has, like, one hand on something for balance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's always searching with that hand to kind of ground himself. And it's just, it's a nice little touch to show that like, just, it's not just shit on his head. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's not in only the very Star Trek way. It actually yeah. serves a purpose. Yeah. yeah. My it, counter it, theory is that basically he's actually fine without the antenna, but he was so embarrassed that he just drank all that ale. 
I was like, no, it's it's the antenna, I swear. Surprise, Shran was drunk the entire time they were on Andoria. He was drunk AF. (laughs) He does fall down a flight of stairs, which tends to be something you do when you're drunk. That's true, on top of that. And then he's like, well, I mean, later on when he meets uh, some other people, he's like, oh, this one's very attractive. Immediately but, hitting yeah. on the underage girl. That would really, yeah. that makes he more sense. Yeah, he sobered up later and like, oh, this was inappropriate of me. Yeah. It's a huge <laughs> age difference. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. I love the A&R, though. I think they're, like, they're really cool. They're super interesting. They're, and, ah, uh, like, and this is just me being a design nerd. Like, as soon as they walk into the room... With, like, like, their veils. They've got, like, like, their veils and their lace and, like, their outfits and the white and, like, the way they're lit. Like, it just... When you nail a character design that well, Mm -hmm. it just completely takes you out of, you know, I am watching a TV show. Like, it just... It feels so visceral. Yes. And they just... They nail it with the A&R. I would say even more so than, like, the Klingons. Like, Klingons, of course, have a lot of history in Star Trek, but, you know, Klingons have been retconned and messed with, and there's not really a defined set of design decisions between the Klingons because of, A, their culture, and B, the producers can't figure out if they want them to look like humans, or if they want them to be, like, super armored, or if they want them to be a little more barbarian. Like, it just, the design aesthetic isn't there, and... The Anar, like, I think, Caitlin, when you and I were watching this episode, as soon as they are walking on screen, both of us were like, oh, man, this is, like, freaking cool. These guys, like, rock. They're cool. I love them. I'm done. <laughs> I agree. I think, like, the whole color palette, like, they're very sort of muted with their environment. Because, like, you don't see any, like, weird, strong, like, oh, lots of vibrant orange here or whatever. Like, it's all kind of localized to the area. Even their complexes inside, too, are kind of neat because it's like underground, stuck in the side of a massive icicle and just like layered up. Like, I think having a, you know, a winter home there would actually be kind of appealing in its own way. Yeah. You're going to move to Andoria. Can you imagine um, spending the summer in Andoria and then the winter in Vulcan? (laughs) (laughs) Man. I mean, it'd just be like being kind of Australian, but in a more extreme way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Do some ice skating and skiing in Andoria, and then you just go to Fry and get your summer tan on in Vulcan. Yeah, done. <laughs> uh, and then you can just come back and, hey, like, I don't need sunlight. I got all of the vitamin D I need. Put me in an ice coma. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Jamel is the Anar that is starts to assist Archer and Shran. But the big thing with the Anar is they have like some latent psychic abilities. Just like very like I don't want to say like surface level, but it doesn't like get to the point where it's like Professor X or like Jean Grey where they're like moving stuff with their mind. It's like strictly psychic. Yeah, no telekinesis, just vibes. <laughs> which I which I do appreciate because too often giving someone powers, like mental powers, they often make them way too overpowered. They don't give them any sort of limitations and it really restricts the storytelling a lot. Yeah. I like it because I think it grounds them a lot more and it just it makes it feel like 
being psychic and having those abilities is just part of life and not necessarily, you know, I am special. I am different. It's just, this is who I am. It feels very accepting in that way. But yeah, Jamal is uh, looking for her, her brother who got lost during an expedition and is actually the one piloting the Romulan cloaking drone drone thing which is man it's very cool and like they can't figure out why he's doing it because like even you know for uh, even in you know contrast to the rest of the andorians the anr are like very much pacifists like very much like we don't want to hurt anybody so what's going on here like what happened yeah and essentially i mean he's he's a prisoner of war the romulans are holding him at gunpoint. The Romulans tell him at one point, like, your entire race is gone. You were the last. So you need to work for us. And, I mean... Which is a great pitch, you know? It's like, everyone you know is dead and gone, and we want you to be our slave. (laughs) I mean, is that a great pitch, or is that like, like, that's that's not much motive for trying to stay alive at all. But yeah, so he's he's the one that's been, like, shooting all these ships and blowing things up and causing all this trouble. So Jamel immediately decides to leave with Archer and Shran and go rescue her brother or at least bring him peace. Which is noble. It's not a bad idea. Well, I like that once she finds out he's alive... You know, I think her family is very willing to like be like, he's gone, he's he's gone now. Yeah. And once she finds out he's alive, she's like, no, we need to go retrieve him, or at least stop this continued, like, wrong from happening out there in the rest of the world. And Right, because that's her, what family um, does. Right, right. <laughs> and, like, her mom, or I think it's her mom, like, doing, like, the psychic masking to, like, confuse them in the caves on the way out. Like, because she doesn't understand why she would want to leave and risk herself for this is very interesting. It's like, there's other dynamics that we're not privy to because we're just here for a visit. And that's the kind of thing that, like, I wish we got more of an Enterprise. Steph, what did you think of the Anar and her leaving? I know you have some deep-seated thoughts about Tran and, I mean... Guy just lost his wife, so what do you do in that situation? Fiance. Fiance. Yeah. So we... Uh, so... I like Jamal. I like, I think she's, I think she's a good character. You know, she's naturally curious. Um, she's a little bit naive, but she's also grounded enough in reality that she kind of understands the repercussions of what she's going to do. So I have to admire her as a character. I didn't like how they immediately paired her up with Shran. Because I feel like with someone with that level of curiosity, like stupid romance subplots aside, someone with that level of curiosity, it's like the Andorians are their cousins. So it would be like being interested in your cousin where there's so many new exciting people to meet and get to learn. Like I could see her and Phlox becoming best friends because she's like, oh, you're the Denobulans. You're super weird species. Or her befriending Mayweather, just kind of like anyone else on the ship for forging a really good bond with. So I kind of feel like they just, they literally just connected those two characters just to hook them up. Yeah. Well, and I, it doesn't feel natural. No. You know? And that's, that's, I think, the biggest problem is, 
you know, with romantic pairings, you have to have chemistry. Yeah. That's that's part of it, you right. know. And it's not like it's not like Jeffrey Coombs, he he has natural chemistry with everyone. But their right. characters just don't work, especially when you watch them as a three-parter together, because he goes from losing Talis like an episode and a half ago to like suddenly he's like, Oh, you're someone new. Hello, hello. It's like, no. <laughs> it's like we we Shran is so much I feel like it's a huge disservice to Shran as well because he's such, as we've come to learn over the series, he's such a complex character and there's so much more depth to all this peacocking that he does and they kind of just took it away by immediately finding a available female. And I really sound like a Ferengi when I say that. (laughs) (laughs) Or the type of guy that would wear a fedora. Yeah. (laughs) I think, and this is just, the nature of the game, unfortunately, because Enterprise was sh- canceled shortly after this, it feels like Shran's arc is incomplete. And unfortunately, like, there's just, there's, there's nobody to blame. Like, the show got canceled. That That's sometimes, that's how the dice roll, you know? But did the show it, get canceled after this episode aired? So they, I think uh, they had already uh, written at least most of their the rest of yeah. the series, if not for like yeah. the last two. Right. Well, yeah. and I mean, he does appear in the finale, but like, it's tertiary. Yeah. Right. Because we'll get to the finale. And they're like Jeffrey Combs, everybody, and everyone golf claps, and then Jonathan Frakes looks directly at the camera and says, "That's it." Yeah. That's it. No more Star Trek. Like we're done. They did. They did Enterprise dirty. I think Enterprise so should dirty. have. Had and then one to more never season. do Star Trek again until two thousand and nine. Yeah. Well, and even the then, JJ movies. Yeah, and the and those are movies, and like yeah, I, I know you're like, wrong. Like I loved them fiercely. I saw that movie like six times in theaters. Yep. But it wasn't the. St- it was like it was a different brand of Star Trek. It just wasn't the type of Star Trek I loved. I liked it for different reasons. Yeah, right. Yeah, but that's a yeah, whole other conversation. Yeah. And there's Actually, nothing wrong with that. Like, well, Trent does look out in a little way because um, for Discovery, one of the ships at the binary stars it's called the shran so he's obviously significant in his own way but also obviously just because he's such a cool character right right and i think that's just a little tip of the hat to you know people who pay attention i actually recently i'll throw it on every six or seven weeks because i love it so much i recently watched star trek beyond again Mm -hmm. and star trek beyond like ties a lot into Enterprise, yeah. like yeah. a surprising amount. I, and and after doing this like rewatch and and some of the stuff that was was new to me as well, when we started putting the pieces together about what how much was actually in that movie, it was like whoa, yeah. Beyond yep. <laughs> Beyond did a good job of putting itself in the Star Trek universe while giving us a new story. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. have like yeah. Beyond is probably the truest Trek story. It just unfortunately came at a time. Well, everyone was fed up after Into Darkness. I was so fed yeah. up. I saw Star Trek Beyond four times in theaters, <laughs> <laughs> but we saw Into Darkness once. We saw Into Darkness too. once. <laughs> I saw Into Darkness once, and then Beyond, I was like, every week, let's go. <laughs> right? Beyond was so very good. 
I love yeah. that movie so much. Yeah, but it does have a lot of ties. Big entry points, like into actually caring about Star Trek. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think you know we had, had we really started you on the series prior to that. Yeah, that was maybe a little bit after of, maybe TNG. TNG. But like that was really like the thing that like caught your attention and was like, oh, there's something bigger than just this like kind of nostalgic piece. Yeah. Well, I could I could talk for two hours on Star Trek Beyond. That movie yeah, does yeah. so many things right, and that script is very very good. It's about twenty minutes too long in my opinion, but like I don't know what you would cut, so maybe it is the right length, and maybe I just get tired by the end of it. I don't know. We'll do the um, we'll do the Star Trek reboot movies as a three parter. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gross. I don't want to talk about Into Darkness. Hey, maybe there'll be some. Um, Andorians on Prodigy. <gasps> oh, that would be cool. Oh, I could get down so... with like CG Andorians. Just yeah. bring the Andorians back. I know they're they're in the future. No, they are in the future for Discovery. Yeah, they're around. Yeah, yeah they were in Picard as well too. Or there was one, anyways. Yeah, in yeah. the background. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I think I think I have solved it. It'll solve everybody's problems. It'll keep Steph from imploding. That they just keep pairing men and women off. It'll make Caitlin happy. <laughs> Mariner should date an Andorian. Yes. Yeah. Lady Andorian. You know, if they want to do cool. queer romance, I'd be okay with queer romance because we don't have any queer romance in mass media these days. And if we do, it's like right. one. They kind of like give you the token queer romance. Where it's like a big reveal at the end. Like, we know that the fans know that they're together. So here's right? the very end. They're going to kiss and then they're going to go through the magic portal. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. And it's and like, then, sorry, I love Seven, but her just show's over. Right? Like that scene in Picard with Seven, I was like, that's no, that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, like, if you're nice, going to shove heteronormative yeah. romances in our face, like, <laughs> I want you to do the same with the queer romances. I want to be so sick of queer romances because they're everywhere. 100%. That's the level I want. One but day. One day. I Unfortunately, day Enterprise today. does not well, give that yeah. to us. Yeah. No, Enterprise no. gives us generally the opposite of all of that. Right? Um, like, I'm I mean... sorry they fridged Alice, <laughs> but I was, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is it. This is where Shran and Archer go, like, full buddy-buddy, because Shran's got to go on this whole, like, <laughs> my partner died, I have to just go live my life, and then they're going to, like, right? vibe really well, and they did go on a field trip, but then, then they found Jamal. There was... There was no mouth to mouth when Shran fell down that ice. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that's that. Yeah, man. Like, he's they the captain of the ship. He should know CPR. They didn't go on a, a shuttlecraft that only had one bed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Just Where is the, the? It's so trips. cold. They have to. They have to go together naked for heat warmth. For warmth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because what if? What if Archer's human body? So he could not handle his pink skin body could not handle oh, the cold. Yep. So Shran has to to cloak him in his right? his blue body, and and then they create the the most beautiful frozen yogurt together. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Is that an American thing? What is that? I don't know. There's like pink and blue. It's a swirl. I don't know, man. It's going somewhere. <laughs> You can have little heat worms on the top. Oh, gross. Oh, you can bring uh, like the ice pores. The ice pores just, like, falling around them, like, rain. It's very good. I mean, there's definitely romantic. some, like, hurt comfort, you know, like, <laughs> aesthetic there. Yeah. 
Cause, cause you know, Shireen got that thing through the leg that like then they immediately take care of. But yeah, like, heck yeah. What if they had to like be bros about it together for the rest of the episode? Enterprise did an impreg episode though. They did. They did, and that they were was... progressive in that way. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty amazing. And like, yeah, yeah. they kind of played it off as humor, but at least you know they did it. Be like, oh yeah, yeah no, this is normal. For kind of trans progressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that was Trip too. Trip yeah. got the impreg, right? Yeah. Trip yeah. handled the it. Ringer. Yeah, but he also handled it a lot better than I thought he would. Yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of our mantra with Trip in general. He handled that better than I thought he would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really get to do much in this episode. Like once him and Malcolm get off the drone. I mean, I guess he like helps build the not cerebro. Yeah, but this is very much strictly an Archer and Tran arc. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, like, Tripp's already proved himself to the Andorians, which actually kind of makes it baffling that he's not there for more of, like, the initial, like, human buffering between the Andorians and the Tellarites. That's because Tran and Archer needed to get their date on. That's true. They need to fight each other, maybe to the death, and then cuddle for warmth. You know who also did that? That also had a lot of chemistry together that did a fight to the death that they didn't realize was a fight to the death? Hmm. Kirk and Spock. Just saying. Just saying. That's right. Seeing the parallels in the Star Trek universe. (laughs) And no fans ever have shipped them together. It's not like fans putting them two together didn't result in literally the term slash fiction. (laughs) (laughs) So... Oh, actually, I never got the connection of the slash part, but now it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Kirk slash Spock. That was uh, that was the, like the way pairings started to be written was because of slash fiction. Yeah, yep. single handedly, I think started some, one of the biggest fan fiction communities that have ever existed. I believe. Yep. If well, and, and even the first uh, the first Star Trek conventions, uh, one of the first of which in North America was actually in the Denver area were initially gatherings of young women who would get together at like libraries and stuff to mm-hmm. talk about their Star Trek fan fiction. And they would mm-hmm. just fanfic swap. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is beautiful and great. And yeah. Archer and Shran. Horny makes the world go round. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that true? That it does. You can you can power a ship to warp five with the amount of sexual tension between Tram and Archer. That's you, five sure. two. Five two. Who needs dilithium crystals? Come on. So I think we really covered it all. Oh no, Beres, you had something you wanted to mention about casual racism in space. I'm just how open everyone is about yeah. describing each other to sort of maybe unflattering extents. So I remember when Enterprise first came out, I always thought like, okay, pink skin's pretty funny for humans, but I also feel like it's very like Eurocentric in that term. Mm-hmm, but then right. just like Tellarites being sort of pig-like or I can't remember what they had one for the Andorians as well too. I, it was something blue related, but I was just, I was kind of thinking about it after a while. It's like, wow, like if I went to a summit, people were just describing various nationalities with like very simplified animal terms or color-based analogies. It would be a different time. So maybe I feel like this didn't quite age as well, or maybe just a racist period of space. So yeah. I have a weird question and I just know it's because I cannot recall an entire four season show in an instant. What? Um, not to <laughs> pile on on this, but does Shran ever interact with Mayweather? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's 
I did wonder about that sometimes. He right. does, but I, it's never, like, he never kind of makes any remarks to him. Yeah. Right. And, like, like space, you, like, racism is bad in space yeah. or otherwise. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like. There's no place for it. Right? It's right. bad there enough we not. do it to each other. Yeah. Even the mirror universe is, like, less racist. Or not oh, racist right? somehow. No, because, see, yeah, the mirror universe isn't racist. They're all just, like, horribly sexist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, unless it's DS9 mirror universe, yeah. in which case everybody's just incredibly horny. Incredibly horny, wearing lots of leather. Disco, no, because I think I think the current timeline is racist enough that they didn't feel like they needed to add it to the mirror universe because they're like, eh, it's already bad enough. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's really it, though. Uh, Caitlin, did you have any closing thoughts on Babel 1 and the Anar and United? And I liked, you know? you know, I really liked that they actually took the moment to have the Tellarites and the Andorians like, sit down and talk to each other and that it wasn't the end of the episode. That, you know, you could kind of see this still building as they went on like a completely separate adventure in the third part. It just so often a lot of like the TNG episodes, for instance, end on and then everyone sat down at the table and we all had some Earl Grey tea and it was (laughs) delightful. But like there's (laughs) other things going on that even though peace is in progress, we need to still address like whatever these issues are. So I really liked that that was the middle Mm -hmm. as opposed to the end, if that makes any sense. No, 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 that absolutely does. That's uh, very Lower Decks. Um, right, like, second contact, yeah. Yeah, because I <laughs> yeah. mean, Lower Decks, like, as as much as we love it for all of the jokes and how funny it is, like, they talk about these things a lot, but it's like, okay, we've brokered peace, but, like, what does that actually mean? Right. Like, how do you maintain that? How do you... Functionally, like, how do you remember right. all of the crap you need to remember about each of these civilizations to, like, actually maintain all of that? Yeah. And it is kind of nice to see it Instead of, you know, that very, you know, Picard way of, like, let's sit down and hash this out. And then exterior shot, Enterprise, fly to the stars, and credits. Like, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Even with the Tellarites and the Andorians. Uh, Steph, do you have any closing thoughts on these three episodes? Yeah, I just want to reiterate, like, this this is the Enterprise show I would have loved to see more of, where we just get to visit and learn more about the founding members of the Federation, their lives, their planets, their cultures, um, how it came to be, all the troubles that came about that helped form the Federation, and less about time wars that have no <laughs> impact on anything. Uh, yeah, no, it was just like, it's, I, th- I feel like this is one of the stronger arcs that Enterprise had, and I really love it. And also, this is where Shran and um, Archer kind of break up a little bit, because at the end, uh, Shran's like, I don't know when I'll get to see you again, and it's actually really sad. <laughs> yeah, like, he's he's like, mm, they might demote me, I'm not really sure what's gonna happen next. Right? You have to go be your proud, you have to go be an ambassador somehow, somewhere, and I have to go stay on Andoria because I lost my ship. Yeah, they don't they don't look kindly on folks who let their ships get exploded. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was not Sharan's fault. No, no not at all. He actually did a good job, but yeah. No, it's it's a beautiful moment full 
of an episode's full of many beautiful moments. I, this is probably one of my favorite, just overall. It's it's a good episode. It's got cool stuff in yeah. it. I would like, say like like some of the other three-parters we've covered, Enterprise figured out in their fourth season really how to tell a story over those three episodes that's allowed to breathe and allowed to have like interesting little character moments that sometimes even a two-parter is just not enough to really dig in. Right, because um, if this yeah. if this was a two parter, where do you put in the ice pick knife fight? Like, right, <laughs> it doesn't exist. Right? Yeah, you you don't get to burn like twenty minutes on that, right. and like no, and doing it, and not just having it be lip service to like he's really into tradition. I should find a way to to stop the fight, and it'll be fine. And then they like spend two minutes on it. They actually like spend a lot of time kind of agonizing over the fact that like Archer made this decision to try and do the greater good a, a, a solid and now they have to figure out a way out of it and it's actually inconveniencing a lot of people <laughs> yeah. and you know what for three episodes the pacing is done so well mm-hmm. yeah yes totally yeah. agree i think it's like the perfect amount and i think it was just kind of neat how like the fourth season really did experiment with three-parters they're great i love them Barris, did you have any closing thoughts on Babel 1 United in the ANR? No, I think pretty much everything was said. I, I think it's just a really solid episode. It kind of shows a bit of a prequel of the Federation and kind of like more of a, uh, what's the term for it? A motley crew in its own way. And uh, it was just cool to see, you know, all the different ships flying by together. Yeah, it's kind of neat to see, you know, for example, in 100 years later, it's just a full-on Federation. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. That final shot of United, when mm-hmm. all of the ships are just, like, hanging out, like, it it's powerful. I know it's, yeah. like, stupid TV and not real, but, like, oh, man. It's, it's powerful stuff. It's great stuff. It's diplomacy at its finest. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> should work together and just stop being dicks and... <laughs> Don't Stop be listening space to the racist. Romulans of the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can find us on uh, at 2 star 2 Trek on both Twitter and Instagram. We release new episodes every Thursday. Next week we are covering Affliction and Divergence. Which is really cool because we get to see Uncle Phil as a Klingon. I'm very excited about it. (laughs) So definitely catch us next week. And until then, to be continued.